Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptana, and today we'll be diving into free will versus fate, and how there's a great deal of meaning in everything which happens to and around us, but much of it isn't meant to be or preordained. There are a number of things I've come to say repeatedly over the years. The future isn't predetermined, so we can't know for certain what will happen next. Or, you were the lesson for them, not the other way around. Or, the only lesson left to learn is to apply what you've learned. Or even, this event in question wasn't pre-planned or meant to be, it was an accident. Over the decades and even centuries, religions and now spiritualities have taught people everything in their life is a lesson. This schooling is supposed to work in much the same way small children go to school. Going to a place where there are beings who act like teachers, working on our behalf to teach us so we can graduate into a better life. This means every single thing which happens to us has some purpose and is in all likelihood meant to happen or happening for a reason, even if we can't see it in the moment, or even for years to come. These concepts are comforting on so many levels and do have a basis in reality. Embodying as a human being is something the vast majority of souls do in order to learn lessons, unfold more of their potential, and grow into their unique wisdom. This, of course, is no easy task, as growth is not licked on by kittens, but is usually painful, awkward, and sometimes frightening as it occurs. It's only afterwards we can normalize it, smoothing the pain and harsh emotions away. Learning takes time, repetition, and application in order to be fully incorporated into our being, which can sometimes feel as if we're living through a groundhog's day of repeated patterns. And while it can be a very lonely process because no one can learn the lessons on your behalf, we are never alone. There are spirit guides, angels, nature spirits, totems, and all manner of beings supporting us and watching to make sure we have the best chance of getting it all done for our best and highest good. However, what most people don't realize is there's an assumption buried in the foundation of all this. A controlled environment. When we think about classes, lessons, and teachers, we think of school, as in school buildings. And school is a very controlled, specifically constructed environment. Everything is managed, from which students work with which teachers, what classrooms they'll be in and how many there will be there, what lessons they'll be taught in what way with what materials, what activities will happen in what order for how long, and so on and so on. Also, it's the responsibility of the teacher to say what happens and when. If a student does something other than this, there is some form of punishment, from the most benign to the truly outrageous, depending on your education system, and if all rules are followed, there are rewards. Most schools, with some very notable exceptions, teach children to focus on themselves, minimize control or focus interactions with others, and 
limit free will by focusing on rewards for compliance. In contrast, while embodied life is an educational exercise and this planet is an educational space, it's not a controlled environment. In fact, quite the opposite, which is a part of what we're here to learn. Each being, uniquely manifested, expressing themselves in physical reality, acting and reacting to a myriad of stimuli and making free will choices in every moment, creates infinite opportunities for everyone else which can support our physical expression of our uniqueness, or not. Unlike soul life, where we are constantly influenced through telepathy and empathic communication, here we're self-contained and on our own recognizance. We can choose what influences us, how and how much. Beyond this, we can choose how we express these influences and connections. We can be mired in them or inspired, act because of or despite them. In entering embodied life, we enter into the community of living beings. We're not the only soul who is embodied. We are one of many plus many. Each embodied soul is a piece of divinity, attempting to learn and become just as we are. However, each is in their own stage of becoming, each with unique perspectives, with their individual strengths and weaknesses, and each with free will which allows them the best, worst, or most mediocre choices in any given situation, in any moment. All around the world, people are free-willing like crazy, from choosing to go left versus right, to drive or walk, to stay or go, to buy overly expensive coffee or follow their dreams. One of the annoying things about this process is these choices don't necessarily harmonize with choices others are making around us, hence car crashes on the freeway, nor do they necessarily harmonize with choices the individual made just a moment ago, nor with choices which are best for the soul. In embodied life, we're capable of and allowed to make mistakes. Our actions are not influenced automatically by the thoughts and or emotions of others and are therefore truly and uniquely our own. Disharmony occurs with regularity, as do mistakes and entanglements, which simply would not and do not occur in the Akashics, our home and natural state. Which is fabulous. How do we learn most quickly and thoroughly? From our mistakes. How do we come to truly know ourselves and others? Through adversity. Coming into an embodied life is somewhat like planning a NASA mission to the International Space Station, albeit far more complex. Free will means we have only a certain amount of control over how things will go. On top of this, our need to focus on embodied life, therefore temporarily forget our true nature, means we're ostensibly flying blind once we launch. For this reason, we plan extensively for what we want to have happen, for every possible alternative, improbable incident, and impossible coincidence which may occur, all the while knowing we are unable to foresee the consequences of our own choices in the moment, let alone all the consequences of everyone else who is making choices which might affect us, and so on and so on. This is, in part, why embodied life is so hard and frustrating, yet capable of handing us happy surprises, synchronicities, and miracles. The mix of preparation and chaos, goals achieved, 
detours taken, and new paths forged make embodied life a heady place full of possibilities. Which means, while absolutely everything which exists, happens, and becomes in this life has meaning, only a portion of it is meant to be. Embodied lives are rich, complicated tapestries of interconnection, filled with family, friends, acquaintances, peers, strangers, artists, and artisans, ideas, industries, inventions, and the unknown. We seek to weave ourselves and our lives within this tapestry each day, in each moment, and we are successful by the sheer fact we're here. We focus our efforts by setting goals, choosing lessons, putting structures in place, thereby creating a small but manageable sphere in which to live within the incomprehensible immensity of what we think of as the world. The frightening grandness and overwhelming malleability of it all comes in part from the free will each of us is endowed with from the first spark of our creation. This means life, any life, is a creation of moments and choices, ours and others, in which we co-create ourselves. Knowing things will unfold in unforeseeable ways due to the interactions of millions of people free-willing in each moment, creating a fertile environment for wonder, mystery, adventure, and growth, as well as our purpose for why we're entering into this embodiment process, we make extensive plans. This doesn't mean everything is predestined, karmically mandated, or full of contractual obligations. The process is much more like what NASA and other space agencies go through when preparing for a mission, like sending someone to the International Space Station or the ESA sending Rosetta to land on a comet. Before the mission begins, the astronauts are trained for every contingency, possibility, improbability, and impossibility. Before anything gets started, the concepts of how it will work are studied to the nth degree. The equipment is built, checked triple-checked, then tested and tested and tested and tested, all of which gives the mission the best chance it can possibly have to succeed, but guarantees nothing. In every mission, things happened which weren't planned, in ways which weren't planned. New variables are added and subtracted moment by moment, and in the end, it's a win if the trip is completed at all. Everything else beyond this is a bonus a gift, and extraordinary. Also, even with all the planning and preparation which goes into a mission, there is still the occasional catastrophic failure. In comparison to an embodied life, a trip into space is rather simple. An embodied life has astronomically more moving parts, lasts longer, and has only one person with a small team of advisors guiding it from start to finish so the pre-planning is even more extensive, if you can imagine. We set up contracts with thousands of people for a myriad of reasons. We map out not just one route to achieve our goals, but hundreds. So no matter which way we zig, or even if we zag, we will succeed in one fashion or another. We make plans for meeting specific people, and backup plans for not meeting them at all set up scenarios to prompt us into actions and directions at specific times in our lives, set up contingency plans for when we ignore the scenarios, or when we get precocious and enter into them early. We make plans within plans within plans. 
So like NASA, we prepare for every eventuality we can think of, and then we launch. Like an astronaut, once we're here, it's on us to use the resources at hand in order to achieve our goals to the best of our ability with a limited amount of time available. Our guides stand by to support and advise us, and in an interconnected world, we have the ability to disconnect from those who end up hindering us, as well as make new connections with those who can aid us on our way. We plan in amazing detail how we could best achieve our goals with scores of plan A's and B's, option C's, and on the other hand D's, because there is no means of knowing how things will play out once the journey starts. From beginning to end, we outline what and how we can live our best life, who we wish to become, and what we wish to achieve in the brief time we have here, knowing we won't achieve all of it, but hoping for the best from ourselves and the world. So, is everything happening for a reason? Yes. Is that reason for our best and highest good? Well, not necessarily. Even at the best of times, what we think of as our best and highest good can come into conflict with the needs of someone else. The lesson being learned might not be for us, or we might have learned it long ago, but remain stuck in the classroom refusing to move on. There's a great deal of meaning in everything which happens to and around us, but much of it isn't meant to be or preordained, but instead the consequences of everyone's unfolding. So rather than focus on finding the lesson in things, instead, I recommend thinking like an artist. What do I want to create with all I am in this moment, and how do I want to be transformed by the act of creating? The meaning of it all will unfold through the process, whether we seek it or not. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can see all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.